these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, for the purpose of today's discussion, I want us to look also to the book of Luke. Luke says this in chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Now, a few things. A few, a few have tried to say that Luke's kind of contradicting himself a bit as he tells this story. That um, his telling in the gospel doesn't quite match up with his accounts in Acts. And at first glance, it may kind of seem that way. But as you dig deeper into Scripture and, and really look at both accounts, uh, what you find is that more details actually align than they, uh, than they actually contradict. And then some have even questioned whether or not the ascension actually took place. But if you read this week's chapter in Core 52, Mark Moore spends a portion of his essay addressing this challenge. Um, and so I wouldn't have anything better or more to say on the topic. And so I want us to return to our two passages. This morning, as we study the ascension, I want us to look at it through the lens of the disciples' response to the ascension, specifically what we see in Luke's Gospel. Again, let's look at what it says in verses 51 through 53. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Now, maybe not the response that we would expect. Their leader, who they love and who, have they, who they've been following for the past few years, is leaving them again. Do they know that they won't see him again on this side of heaven? Or maybe they're starting to understand who Jesus is and where he must go. And so their response is worship and joy. And I think that our response to the ascension should be the same. That should be our response as well. Jesus' ascension should cause us to worship him and rejoice. And this morning I just want to look at a few reasons why I think that is the case. Let's jump right in. Here's the first thing that we can see. Jesus' ascension should cause us to worship him and rejoice because it marks the end of his earthly ministry. It marks the end of his earthly ministry. Jesus doesn't leave earth because he has been rejected and crucified by sinful men. He doesn't leave in defeat or in, in frustration. He leaves because he has accomplished what God has called him to do. John chapter 17 verse 4 says this, Jesus prayed, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Mark 10 verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus took on our flesh for our salvation, and the fact that he is now ascended on high, seated at the right hand of the Father, shows that he has accomplished his mission here on earth. And it means that our sins are forgiven in his name, and so we now can enjoy the reconciliation with God through Jesus' blood. And we can worship him because his earthly ministry is completed. 
The second thing that we can see is that Jesus' ascension should cause us to worship him and rejoice because it marks the beginning of his heavenly ministry. During the time of his earthly ministry, Jesus voluntary, voluntarily limited himself in dependence upon his Father. His glory was veiled. He submitted to the Father's will, even to death on a cross. But in returning to the Father, he, he would be restored to the place of glory and power and honor that was his before the foundation of the world. And he would intercede on our behalf on our behalf and on the behalf of, the, of his disciples, and as he promised, he would send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, on the disciples to empower them for life and for ministry. And I think there's a few different things, that, a few different aspects of Jesus' heavenly ministry that we could focus on this morning, but I want us to consider these three things. First, he is seated at the right hand of God, King over heaven and earth. One of my favorite movies is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And there's, there's a scene at the very end of the third movie after Frodo and Sam and, and Gandalf and Aragorn have, have finally defeated evil. They've finally gotten rid of the ring. And Aragorn, who has lived his life as a ranger, even though he is heir to the throne of Gondor, he finally takes his place upon the throne. Take a look. come the days of the king. May they be blessed. Jesus' ascension, he is installed as the true king of the world. And I don't know if you've ever wondered this or not before, but I wonder what that coronation ceremony was like. The angels and David and Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Esther and Ruth and John the Baptist, they are all there. And God bestows a crown, not of thorns, but of gold on the head of the king. I love Gandalf's announcements in the movie. Now come the days of the king. May they be blessed. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 prophesies about Jesus sitting on his throne. It says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Psalm, 10, Psalm 110 tells us that he will be on his throne until his enemies are his footstool. And Hebrews 12 too tells us that as we run the race that is set before us, 
we must look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is on his throne. Another aspect of his heavenly ministry is that he begins the intercessory ministry for his people as their high priest and mediator. In Jesus, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Passed through the heavens, that is ascension language. And we can now draw near to the throne of grace that we may find, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so whether we are battling cancer or COVID-19, whether we're battling bitterness or betrayal, pride or discouragement, we can pray with confidence because, because of our ascended Lord who intercedes for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John 14 verses 1 and 2 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If this were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so Jesus is sitting on his throne and he has begun his intercessory ministry as our high priest and our mediator. And finally, a part of his heavenly ministry is that he pours out his spirit. He pours out his spirit. And this brings us all the way back to Acts 1 and it leads us into our final points. Acts chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 say this. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And God promises in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this is the promise, and this promise is fulfilled by the exalted Lord Jesus. And so Jesus' ascension should cause us to worship him and rejoice because he has completed his, his earthly ministry. It marks the end of his earthly ministry and it marks the beginning of his heavenly ministry. And finally, Jesus' ascension should cause us to worship him and rejoice because it marks the beginning of our ministry as his witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sights. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. And finally, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Jesus accomplished all of God's will for his life, and he is sitting on his heavenly throne, king over all. Therefore, we can fulfill God's will for our lives as witnesses to the gospel with boldness and with hope. And really, we don't need to look any further than the book of Acts to see examples of the disciples living out this firsthand. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John have been doing ministry, and they, they have just healed a man who has been lame from birth. And we, we find out later that he's about 40 years old. And then after they heal this man, they head into the temple to continue to, to preach, and the church is just growing like crazy. And the Sadducees and the other religious leaders, they, they don't like it. The text actually says that they are greatly annoyed. And so these Sadducees, they actually find this bogus reason to, to arrest them, and, and they hold Peter and John overnight. And, and the next morning, they, they bring them in front of the council. And they begin to realize that, that all they can really do is demand that they stop preaching. And Peter kind of responds. He says, we can't keep quiet about what we have seen and what we have heard. And so Peter and John are released, and, and the very next thing that they do is head, is head home, they tell their friends, and together they worship God and pray for more boldness. Our family has been doing a lot of bike riding recently, um, and uh, if you ever see Rhett riding around, he's got a little balanced bike, and, and he's pretty good at it. He zooms all over the place on that little thing. Um, but because he's getting pretty pretty good at it, um, he's getting to a point where we are starting to build different features and obstacles for us to ride on in our backyard and in our driveway. And here's how it usually works. Um, at, at first, he usually uh, just walks over the feature to try and get an idea of what it's like until he knows how it works. And then he gets on his bike and he, and he slowly inches his way across this obstacle until he gains enough confidence and starts going full speed. And it's my job, yes, to make sure that he's safe because he doesn't always like to wear his helmet, but it's my job to help him be brave and, and be bold, to push him to try something new, push him to try something scary and sometimes even hard, and to not be afraid to fail, and to come alongside him whenever he, whenever he does fail, to help him dust off his knee and to pick him back up and to give him a hug or, or maybe give him some knucks and, and to encourage him to try again. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have a job to do. And making disciples is messy and scary and difficult. And sometimes you don't know what to say. And sometimes we're afraid of how someone might react or, or we're afraid of what it will cost us. But Jesus, he says, you know what? Here is the Holy Spirit. I have this gift for you. I have this helper. And you will receive boldness whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times we fail to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. We forget that He is, that he is living inside of us. And I think a lot of times we, we tend to rely too much on our own strength rather than making room for the Spirit to work. We can fulfill God's will for our lives as witnesses to the gospel with boldness and with hope. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas meet a, a slave girl who is possessed by a spirit, and, and she has the ability to, um, to predict the future, which, as you can imagine, is a pretty lucrative business for her owners. 
But for the next week or so, this demonic spirit just follows Paul and Silas around wherever they go. And she's just saying the same thing over and over and over again. And so if you have small children, you know what Paul is feeling right now. And the text says that he was greatly annoyed, and so he cast the spirit out of the girl. And of course, her owners are too happy. And so they drag Paul and Silas to court, and they accuse them of disturbing the peace, and pretty soon the crowd gets in on it as well. And without much of a trial, Paul and Silas are beaten and then thrown into prison. As you can imagine, it's, it's hard enough to sleep on a cold stone floor, but with a bloody and bruised back, you're not getting much shut-eye. And so, of course, Paul and Silas begin to sing. They just begin to sing. I don't know if you've ever wondered, but I wonder what, what they were singing. Maybe it was something like this. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Or maybe it was this. He is Lord. Forever his truth shall reign. Heaven and earth exalt his holy name. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. Or maybe they sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Or maybe they sang, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. I think it's easy for us to, to feel hopeless during this time. But the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, of Jesus changes our perspective. And so no matter what we may, may be going through, we, we can have hope. And so my challenge this morning is simple. Worship. We'll sing a few songs here in a moment, but don't let the end of this stream stop your worship. This week, take time to remember what Jesus accomplished for you while he was on earth. Where he is currently seated at, as king and the hope that we have as we await his return and let that move you to worship him. To close this morning, I just want to read a passage from the book of Philippians that I think sums up everything that we've talked about really well. It ties a nice bow on everything. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.